gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back, Cincy Brewcast, and we are live again. It's been a couple weeks since I've actually gotten to do a show live, and it feels fantastic, and I couldn't think of a, a better event to kick things back off and to kick off the weekend or kick off the week, depending on when you're listening to this. I don't know. Um, we are at Christian Moreline Brewing Company, but... I'm not sitting with anybody from Christian Moreland right now. I'm sitting with Meisel and friends. We have um, Mark and Michael from the brewery. You guys flew over from Germany. Uh, what was it, like Wednesday you guys flew over? Does that sound right? Nearly. <laughs> Mark arrived at Wednesday. I arrived on Thursday. Oh, God, that's right. I remember him saying something about you having some issues getting over. <laughs> and... You guys spent the day on uh, what was it, Thursday um, brewing at the Lager House, is that yes. right? And then uh, today we're celebrating. It is a full-on Cincinnati German-style party. We kind of do things our own weird way here, which as the band kicks in, I'm sure everybody will get to hear. Um, I'm sure we'll pick up quite a bit of sound, and it's gonna it's gonna be a full-on party. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm absolutely thrilled to have you on the show this is the first time that we've had somebody from outside the united states on sense of Brewcast, okay. and it only makes sense to me and you know i'm, I'm a little uh, little goofy with the way i think about things sometimes but um that it would be you guys there's there's so many ties between christian moreline and who this brewery was who this brewery is who they how they try to bridge that gap between the two and my zone friends. So it, it makes perfect sense to me that not only are you guys here, but that you're on Cincy Brewcast now. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for, for being on. Um, so we, I assume that you've never listened to the show before. No, never. <laughs> Sorry we, for that. <laughs> we, uh, we, we start things a very specific way. So when you start a beer podcast or a beer blog or anything like that, there's a very specific reason you do it, and that's to drink more beer. And yeah. I don't know if people actually realize that that's why you start it. But so we always start the show off with the segment we call "From the Beer Fridge." Okay. From the Beer Fridge. It's where we drink beer. So luckily, I've got a whole bunch of beer in front of me here. Um, I've been drinking a little bit already, so I got to try a few things. I tried the, the Zwickle, and I'm working my way through the Hellas right now. Okay. Um, but I saved the one that I've been dying to try for last because I've heard so much about this beer, um, especially in the last few years. I've been hearing a lot of things about it and people talking about it. and um, So I'm, I'm excited to try it. And why not do it talking to you? Because I'm sure you can talk about it pretty good. Yeah, okay. So we're going to try our, our flagship beer. That's a Meisel's Weiser. Or uh, original. That's uh, famous. The Meisel's Brewery is a pretty old we have, uh, were founded in 1887 and in former times we were export brewery and in the 60s our founder uh, decided to do a champagne right the, the crystal bison I think we, we yeah, yeah. more people around here might be familiar with that the, the term crystal bison because yeah. there are a couple that people have put out around here yeah but in former times we call it champagne hefeweizen and because the sparkling is something right. comparable to a champagne and in our region in Upper Pekinconia normally there's not a kind of beer style that you drink there the, the Upper Franconia region is famous for Zwickel or Calabria and with that uh, Hefeweizen the, the brewery getting famous and it's now not called anymore Champagne Hefeweizen because Champagne is a uh, right it's is protected protected <laughs> right and with that from the 50s to now we're getting famous with the Hefeweizen and we are family owned and we have the uh, Meisel's Hefeweizen all over the world that was a flagship main beer, yeah. Now, when you guys first started making the Hefeweizen, though, it wasn't popular, right? Like, it wasn't yes. a style that everybody was doing. No. And you guys, very much the way a lot of craft breweries now just do weird things just because they want to do it, like, it, in a lot of ways. That's a different thing. We, we, um, the, the Hefeweizen was our, our former 
our it's our main part. Right. Yeah. But uh, we want to do something special, and our founder, our, our owner, decided in uh, 2009 to do something special, and he's taking a look to Belgium. And he saw all these big bottles with lo a lot of alcohol in it and a, the, the stronger beer styles. And he was uh, trying around three years to bring something special on the market. At that time, in 2009, nobody speak about craft beer in Germany. Right. Nobody knows what it is. <laughs> but we always do craft beer in Germany, like more than 100 years. Right. Um, in 2012, they came out, Miles and Friends, that is uh, the, the, the brand name for the craft beer line. And we have three different kinds of beer on it. It's all in bigger bottles with uh, 750 milliliters. Right. And every, every uh, bottle has over 7% alcohol. That might, in former times we said, okay, with that alcohol, it's more like a wine uh, situation. <laughs> the people don't drink so much. Right. Um, now our view has a little bit changed. We saw that people drink beer with eight or ten percent, also from <laughs> keg. Right. And we started in 2012, and craft beer came up in, from I would say, at the end of 2011 in Germany, and we were one of the first who produced craft beer in Germany, and we had an, an, an IPA. Bavarian ale, that's a modern style of a uh, Weizenbock. And dry hop, we do dry hopping with an Australian hops. And we had a uh, chocolate bar. And in 2014, we came out with a smaller bottles. It's called our session line. Right. That means they are less than the, the, the bigger bottles. Right. And we had a pale ale. And last year, we started an IPA and a white IPA. And this year, a chocolate product. And now we do more and more collaborations. Right. And, and for me, just, just kind of reading up and kind of starting to put together some notes and stuff about what Meisel and Friends is, the, the collaborations, I think, are, are where it really starts to fit together for me of what, what craft beer means to Meisel versus what craft beer may mean to somebody else. You know, it... it it's about that, that the, the, the Meisel and the friends, the, that the community, the, the sharing, the, the 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 shared experience of beer. Whereas, I think for a lot for a lot of years, people got a little um, I, I don't know a good word to a little, a little stuffy about beer. You know, it started to go down a different road, mm -hmm. and we're in a really exciting time now where people are opening up about it and getting excited again and, 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 and it's exploding in this different way yeah and, and craft beer the people want to know who's behind the beer the right. stories behind every beer they want to know what the, 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 the notes how many alcohol how many IBUs in like 10 years ago nobody cared about that right and for us collaborations we're always looking for the special um, the special message behind that collaboration and Merlin uh, the, the founder of Merlin Christian Merlin he came from Trubach and um, that is pretty close to Bayreuth and Bayreuth is our their, our brewery is based um, and that was for our uh, for our owner that was uh, the history the story behind that right so we can connect it these two breweries and behind the story about the origin of the breweries and uh, Christian Merlin came from Trubach that's just 20 kilometers away from Bayreuth and it's connected to Bayreuth and we are from Bayreuth and we do craft beer and Merlin do craft beer in Cincinnati so let's do a, craft, a collaboration and, and we have a purity law both breweries uh, produce a beer with purity law right it, and, and to kind of put it into perspective for, for people here in Cincinnati, I mean, there's there's a lot of breweries that are that close. That there's there there isn't even a distinction between whatever the the suburb that they're in and a place like this in Cincinnati. It just all becomes Cincinnati. So it's it. it Trubbuck to, uh, to to Beirut. Yeah. Forgive my pronunciations yes. on everything. Um, is as close as, say, a Moorline to, um, we'll say, for anybody that's listening, like a Dogberry or somewhere like that that seems 
further out, but it's 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 all still right there together. It's yeah. that that community. So yeah. um, the, the story of of Christian Warline and of of Meisel is very much intertwined from the beginning. Yeah. Um, Timeline wise, you know, it, it was. I, I don't have the actual date sitting in front of me, but when Christian Morline was leaving Germany and coming over to the United States, that's right about that same time frame yeah. too that that Meisel was getting started by the, yes. the brothers. What were the um, what were the brothers' names that started the brewery? Hans and um, uh, hang on, I can pull it up here. Yeah. I'm good. Hans and Earhart, yeah. Meisel. Um, so they, they started the brewery in 1887. Yeah. Um, although their family had been brewing some you know, into brewing for a hundred years before yeah. that, you know, which again, that, you know, in a country like the United States, these numbers don't like comprehend to us because mm-hmm. beer is still so young here, and it's uh, yeah, it's yes, it's yeah. crazy. It's family-owned brewery ever since then you know jeff meisel is fourth generation still yes, fourth generation. still run by the same family yeah um everything i've heard about the brewery it sounds amazing it sounds you know there's a guinness world record winning museum a restaurant that, that yeah we opened last year that was a big trying to do the this collaboration last year because last year was a 500 uh, celebration uh, celebration of the purity law and um, but last year we opened up our new craft beer restaurant called Liebesbier that, that means love of beer um, but with the opening of the craft beer restaurant is a very unique craft beer restaurant for Germany even Bayreuth is not that big city but then we have over 300 places inside and 300 places in the beer garden and serving more than 100 beers there and Jeff was really um, that was his project his, his, his love project so we don't have time last year and now we're doing this uh, collaboration this year right so um, I still haven't tried this beer and it's sitting in front of me and killing me so the Hefeweizen it's a classic you know, one it's classic it's and it's so hard for us here sometimes to get a hold of these classic Hefeweizens that are brewed here. You know, everybody wants to do something different, wants yeah. to do something. So sometimes something like this is a very welcome thing to, to some of us beer geeks. You know, I get, you know, of course, the banana, the clove, all yeah. of those aspects. I wish it was sunny outside today and I could have been sitting outside in the sun drinking this. Perfect. It's beautiful. This is it's wonderful. Yeah. So, with the craft beer side, the Meisel and friends, like how, can you give us some kind of a picture of what craft beer in Germany looks like today? Because you know, we, all, we all know what it looks like here in the United States. Yeah, what is craft beer in Germany? At first I have to say craft beer is, they're always looking for an explanation of what craft beer is, a definition. We're still and, looking for it here too. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that the Brewers Association, Brewers Association has a definition. Right. But you cannot uh, uh, copy the definition on Germany. The Germany. Germany has a different beer culture. Right. We have one over, we have over 1,300 breweries. We brew beer since, I don't know, long, long, long right. time. And we had the little breweries, we had the original breweries, they're producing different kind of beers. Even where we come from in Upper Franconia, we have in Upper Franconia is the highest, capa- highest density of breweries in the world. We have over 200 breweries in Upper Franconia. And to say then, or explain them now, craft beer, the most of the customers don't understand that because they're always saying we have, we had craft beer, right. we, but we don't call it craft beer. We call it in German. In German means handwerklich gebrautes Bier. And I would say craft beer has, for the customer, has something to do with the taste. It's always a different taste when you drink craft beer. Not that taste from the TV beers that you see on the TV stations or something like that. Um, then, then I say craft beer for, for example, if we're drinking a pale ale and you have that citrus taste, the lemon taste, 
of the German beer drinkers don't understand that. But I say, that's the taste. Okay, now, and for even from, uh, from somebody from Hamburg, that's always drinking pills in Hamburg, he's going to Bamberg, and I gave them a Schlenkeler. That's a, always a different, is a, even a different taste too. But Schlenkeler is even older than these new beer styles that are coming in, like a Pale Ale or an IPA. But it's a, it's a Rauch beer. And one of the, one of the, some of the biggest trends that we've seen in the last year or two over here is, you know, the Gozas and the, the Berliner Weisses and these, these beers that are as old as, as anything else over in Germany was. Yeah. It was, you, you bring that same thing over here and all of a sudden it's, you know, it's craft beer. It's, you know, it, it has this nice shiny name around it now, but it's, uh, the definition of craft is always one of those things that people are going to argue about and fight about over here. Yeah, everybody has his own definition of craft beer. Like this super traditional German beer, yeah. this is craft beer. Is it craft beer? This is craft beer to me. Perfect. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's, it's a very complicated question. But yeah. Craft That's beer is craft beer. Craft beer is craft beer. Craft beer is what you think is craft beer. It's, you know it when you see it, you know it when you taste it. Drinkers out there is a you know a forest to be harvested. They're all out there and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, Yeah, I used to drink that craft beer crap. But I <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brickcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi, Mike Cisneros here with a word about Brewhouse Dog Bones. By now, craft beer fans all over Cincy know the distinctive brown paper sack with a big red bone. You've seen it in great breweries like Mount Carmel, Listerman's, Rheingeist, Eight Ball, Braxton, and more. At just five bucks a bag, you know you can't find a more healthful or delicious treat for your best friend made from spent brewery grains, organic eggs, peanut butter, and brown rice flour. But did you know that Brewhouse Dog Bones is an educational program for developmentally disabled teens and young adults? It's available through the New Richmond, Cincinnati Public, Fort Thomas Public, Sycamore, Oak Hills, and many more school districts across Southwest Ohio and Northern Kentucky. For more information on where to find Brewhouse Dog Bones or how to get your developmentally disabled loved one or your school district involved in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, contact Lisa Graham at area code 513-520-0310 or visit www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. Hi, this is Mike Stokes from Cincy Brew Bus. Cincinnati's craft beer scene is growing, and we want to take you to those locations. Here at Cincy Brew Bus, we love to introduce people to craft beer here locally in Cincinnati. We have an amazing craft beer scene. We have lots of routes to choose from and a lot of different places we can visit. Cincy Brew Bus is Cincinnati's premier and original craft brewery tour. We're the number one rated tour for breweries on TripAdvisor. We're the number one rated food and drink experience on TripAdvisor. And we're also the number two total tour overall on TripAdvisor here for Cincinnati. At Cincy Brew Bus, we provide a VIP tour experience for the novice and for the expert craft beer drinker. We like to take you out, show you how the beer is made, tell you about Cincinnati's rich brewing history, and at the same time, have fun, do some trivia, and drink some locally made fresh craft beer. Of Cincy Craft. 
This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Admissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> We're back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. If anybody is uh, on the Facebook stream right now and it's really hard to hear anything, I'm very sorry. I, I don't know how hard it is for anybody else to hear what's going on. But, um, I think I underestimated the sound of this room. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, we'll fix it when we edit the show down in post. And uh, if you can't hear it now, get on next Monday and you'll be able to hear it. So. Let's, I mean, hopefully somebody from Moreline will come join us here and we can start really talking about this collaboration. Uh, This is, uh, I know Greg has been very excited about this beer for for, for quite a while, trying to make this happen, trying to trying to get the logistics all worked out to make this beer happen. The beers, I guess we should say, it's, it's two beers. I don't know if people realize that either. It's, yeah. You guys are here this week brewing uh, one beer. Yeah. And then uh, so next month, uh, they're flying out there to do the beer. So what's the schedule? Uh, we, uh, the last two days we brewed here, one beer at the Merlin Lager House and one beer here in the brewery. One beer at the Lager House is just for the... The draft line and the one here for the canning line. Um, at the beginning of we will, Merlin will release the beer at the end of July. It could be possible that our that our owner Jeff Meisel will come on over to pre- uh, present the beer. And at the beginning of August we will brew in uh, Bayreuth. And then we will release the beer in Bayreuth at our Craft Brewer Festival, that is in the middle of September. Yeah. Nice timing. Yeah, we, we brewed here and um, Hobby Weedale, that's called Space Time. Uh, that's dry hop with Denali and Idaho 7. Pretty new hops. Right. And uh, in Germany we will brew an Imperial Porter. And uh, so, so the beer here, the space time, is uh, hoppy wheat beer. Is that yeah. right? So yeah. again, kind of tying all of it together, you know, the the, the wheats that you guys are have become famous for. Yeah. The big American hops that everybody around here goes yeah, nuts do, about. We do it. Um, we have one have the same color as our um, flagship beer, the the Weiser. So we have the amber color. Now we have to drink, I guess. I froze it, then you have to drink it. <laughs> so just one break, we had to drink it. I froze it. Rules are rules. Yeah. <laughs> so we say Prost or Zumbo? Uh, Is that we right, say, We say Prost in German. For the hobby wheat amp, this, uh, we want to have the same color of the beer, that is the amber color that we have in the wheat beer, and the same yeast that it brings out this clove and banana taste. So uh, we sent them the, 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 the suppliers that have the same malt, and we um, they ordered them uh, at one step on uh, uh, the yeast that's pretty similar to our yeast. And then the only difference is the American, new American hops that, uh, that's dry up there. I can't wait to try it. Yeah, yeah It's going to be um, obviously on draft all around here, um, but also in four packs of 16-ounce pint cans, yeah. which um, pint cans we like because we like more beer. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's space time. And then um, in Germany, it'll be called Teleporter, Teleporter. The Imperial Porter. Um, I don't have a lot of stuff about that. I don't know how, how far along you guys are in the planning process of that. but I haven't seen the, the labeling right now. Um, but uh, we talked about the recipe today. 
so it will be around 9 to 9.5 uh, ABV and we would uh, bring it into draft and into the 750 milliliter bottles, big bottles. Right. And of course, colors will be black. <laughs> right. Yeah. And maybe we will try uh, some something like a hop that brings in a barrel aged flavor. So the beer will be not be barrel aged, but the hop will bring in a barrel aged flavor, right. so herby taste. Yeah. Sounds but we'll see. Sounds delicious. Perfect. I, I hope we get some of that over here also, which I know Yeah, we'll is, try. But that's... I know it's easier said than done. It's the same we want to have space time in Germany, but it's not that easy. I'll, I'll send you some. <laughs> ah, perfect. Just don't tell anybody I'm mailing you can have my address. You have my car. <laughs> send yes, the beer yes. over. <laughs> I wonder what that would cost me to send you a couple four-packs over to Germany. This beer. Yeah. We live for that. try to flag Greg over here and see if we can get him to talk about what this means to, to Moraline, but... Okay. Um, Did I call him? Let's see. Let's see if he looks over this way. No, he is not. Well, Eric is like coming. Eric Bowen is coming. I have to warn you, it's very loud. <laughs> All right, let's see what mics are on here. Then try that for me, see if it works. Check one, check one. Siblings. Cheers. That means not check, that means it's cheers one. That's two cheers one, one. cheers two. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Uh, so, Eric, maybe you can, uh, you can talk about this a little bit of what a collaboration like this means to Moreline and to kind of this this Cincinnati as a whole, you know, kind of um, it's a it's a very different, you know, we, we, we see collaborations around town a lot, especially a week like this where it's all about this collaborations and stuff, but you don't see a lot where you're tying what this, this traditional kind of German brewing history with this new German craft thing and then um, with, with Moorline again the super traditional side of Moorline and the new craft thing that's happening in the United States too, you know, if you can kind of just go what, what does it mean to Moorline I guess is the uh, well the, the first thing uh, you know there's one international language and that's beer it's very true and uh, you know there might be nuances with how we say things or talk, and you know, I, didn't, I don't expect it to be delicious as well. But you know, we can all talk about the beer, and uh, it's been a, just a tremendous experience to have them come over and uh, you know, really connect with uh, other great brewers and great representatives of the company and have a great time. And uh, honestly, uh, I don't—it's a dream come true, you know. Um, you know, we we do collaboration brews all the time, but very rarely on this uh, level of uh, collaboration. I, we were just talking about how I, excited I am to get to try the beer. And, and does it come out at the end of July? Is that? Yeah, it'll be coming out at the end of July towards August. And, uh, 16-ounce cans on draft everywhere you can think to buy the beer, and hopefully it will be. So, um, yeah. The, the, the idea of doing the Hoppy Weeks, you know, how did you guys kind of settle on that? How did it just, was it, did it just make sense? Or was there other things that you kind of talked about a little bit? We started, we started to do that thing that we want to have uh, the classic German style beer in here. We want to brew that here with a little bit of the American kick. Right. That's, that's the hops. And on the other side, normally we, we try to brew an American style beer in, uh, in, in Germany with a German kick. But they, was one, they suggested 
uh, Merlin suggested a name for a beer uh, that was called Teleporter and for their Happy Weed Ale. But we said the, the name is great, the beer is great, but Teleporter should be a porter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Duh. laughs> and so we suggested them, hey, we do a porter and we call you beer and we gave you a different name and let's do the porter here. And they said, okay, let's do this. And we do another Teleporter and then we said, let's do a little bit more American Imperial Porter. So that was it. So, what about the name Space Time? How did you guys come up with that? Uh, well, the name Space Time uh, really harkens back to the uh, Christian Morline himself. And uh, we're transcending time from when uh, Morline came over uh, from Trupac over to Cincinnati. And then we're transcending time with uh, the Brewers here. And then we're going to then take it back. Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft, back in what probably sounds to everybody listening to it like absolute silence now. <laughs> it the, is it the Sensi Beer Band? Is that what they are called? They are called the Cincinnati Beer Band. They know how to make a party. <laughs> they're, fa- they're fantastic, and it it fits into the atmosphere of a night like tonight just absolutely perfectly, and uh, it, it it's it's wonderful. It, it, you know with an event like this, you have to do it big, and you guys know how to do things big here. Well, I think that uh, the Cincinnati Beer Band definitely gets the revelry up a notch or two. Absolutely. We, we're joined by Greg Hardman, um, for anybody that doesn't recognize the voice. Um, we have had you on the show, like, what, once before, down at the Logger House? Uh, yep, we were down at the Logger House one time. It was a great show. That's uh, when Mike was... Uh so with us, uh, I tell you that God show, that show, got him more excited than I think anything else had at that point about the show. He was like, "We're going to the logger house to do a show." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was man, it was fun. He, uh, this is one of those events that I know he would have absolutely loved, and uh, he's a, um, a a pilsner kind of nut. So I know the uh, the the Hellas would have been right up his. Uh, Exactly. His alley. That, that, that beer is fantastic. So I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit, but kind of sticking on topic. And I, a beer like that, Hellas, um, I, it's so fun to me because it, it showcases every single ingredient of a, of a beer just completely evenly. And so they, like they all kind of get lifted up and you get to kind of really see everything in, in, in one taste. So that's, I, I love that beer. I, I think that they, uh, uh, obviously they, fantastic Hellas beer and uh, it was a real tribute to our brewers uh, on yesterday and today where they drank the Hellas of from our tap from our well I would have loved and to they be were, fly on the wall they were literally blown away uh, they thought it was really fantastic beer they, uh, they noticed that uh, um, they felt it was the best made uh, uh, one of the best made uh, Hellas as they tried and uh, uh, they 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 were really inquisitive about the ingredients that we used in the beer. Right. And uh, one of the things that we worked out was uh, Eric, our obviously brewmaster, said uh, we use Augustiner Brown yeast. And they were blown away. <laughs> it makes a big difference. I right. mean, it, it, when you use Augustiner Brown yeast from uh, uh, Munich. And, and, and it was a real tribute that uh, um, they... Uh, 
uh, they really enjoyed our beer. Uh, the, the difference between the two uh, was uh, theirs has a a uh, 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 a light Christmas Christmas like a, to it, like a, a mineral kind of quality too. To exactly. it, almost like a Dortmunder, which I don't I don't know if it's offensive to say it kind of has a Dortmunder quality to it. Exactly, that. exactly, <laughs> and it has a little bit of a sulfur to it yeah. that uh, uh, they were teaching us about, and uh, ours has a much. Uh, uh, more richer body to it, uh, in, in, but uh, uh, and that Augustiner brow yeast is just fantastic in the Moorline Lager House Hellas. It's it's wonderful, and you know, normally this time of year we get these beautiful sunny days where you know sitting outside and drinking something like that Hellas or this Hefeweizen that I'm drinking, it's perfect. But today. We don't get any sun. <laughs> have a little bit of a tropical storm here in Cincinnati, so an indoor beer hall works out great. <laughs> well, and, and this really is like a perfect kind of environment for, again, I, you know, I keep mentioning how, how perfect it is for an event like this. It just, it, it, it works. You, you, you have to do something like this inside, get it loud, and get people kind of celebrating and um, the whole Oktoberfest vibe that the city loves so much, but... Um, so from from your perspective, kind of, you know, we talked to Eric a little bit about kind of what something like this collaboration means to Moreline, but you know, to you, um, I mean, German beer, you've been around it for a very long time. You know, that's kind of how you cut your teeth in this business. And um, to do a collaboration like this now at your place, and uh, what does it what does it mean to you? I think for me personally, it was a lot of years of hard work and dedication and when you have a German craft brewery like Meisel, and Meisel is actually known for their uh, spectacular wheat beers, their amber wheat beers and they uh, have really made unbelievable strides with the Meisel and Friends craft brewery project but to have them realize that you know we, we they have great partners in the United States with Christian Moorline and to realize that, you know, they, they wanted to brew beer with us as much as we wanted to brew with them. And we've been talking about it for about two years now. It just, the timing was never right. So to, to ha- have that happen and to have it that we're going to be launching uh, the collaboration beer space time here in Cincinnati at the end of uh, uh, July. And then brew beer with them in August and launch it at their craft brewers festival just before Oktoberfest and then launch it in Munich beer bars during Oktoberfest well, is like, does you know, it get any better than that? It's, I it's mean, really. kicking off right now, right in the middle of Cincinnati Beer Week. It's launching, you know, in the middle of their Craft Brewers Festival. And then again, Oktoberfest, like it, it, the whole thing, the timing just works out so perfect. And the, the experience is just exactly how it's supposed to be. And in, in like a true collaboration, uh, we've learned a lot from their brewers and they learned a lot from like what we do here and, and, and the things that we do. So it was really interesting. Uh, they, they are a pure Reinheitsgebot, pure craft brewery. Uh, and uh, uh, in America, uh, while we're the first American beer to pass the German purity law, uh, we also uh, have a lot of uh, Reinheitsgebot pure beers, but you know we it's like the Wild West in America, man. <laughs> we, we brew with anything almost, right. you know. And, and, and uh, uh, it, 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 it's kind of like you, you, you see them kind of look at that and how they react to it and everything. And and uh, but it's great to know that we have great partners on that side that that really work hard to promote craft beer in Germany. You know, it's craft beer in Germany is very different than in the United States you know in America our breweries were very one dimensional and you know weren't really brewing great beers in that so it left a big opening for craft brewers in Germany they brew a lot of really good beer so it's you know to, to to get people onto different styles of beer and craft beer it's a completely different ball game so you know while we're really excited that uh, they want to take uh, brands from us, like our Pacers Citra Pale Ale, uh, that will be bringing with us over there to launch at their craft beer festival, plus our our Bay of Bengal Double IPA, uh, and then uh, we're going to bring Space Time that we brew here, the Hoppy Weed Ale, with us over there, and then launch our uh, 
uh, a teleporter that's going to be brewed on that side, which is uh, an Imperial uh, porter. porter. So we're, we're, we're really excited about it. And, and it's just so different, you know, to, to realize that in our country, you know, you had the big three or four that, you know, they were they were brewing mediocre beers and, and the Our craft beer scene <laughs> right the craft beer scene popped up in, in a big way and and over there you know those breweries actually brew good beer well and that's what you know when when i was talking to them i we were trying to figure out what craft beer is you know there what it is here just what it is you know that's the, the question that everybody likes to argue about in, in any given weekend but you know i sit here and i try this hefeweizen this is a very old beer. It's their flagship. They're, I'm sure they make a whole bunch of this, but this is a craft beer if I've ever had a craft beer in my life. Uh, it's, it's, it's Well, you have to remember, by definition, Meisel Brauerei of Bayreuth, Germany, would be considered a craft brewery in America. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's they're, they're, they're not that big. Right. They're... they're, 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 they're they're, but they're, they're, at the same time, they're the fourth largest producer of wheat beer in Germany. Like it's, it's such a weird kind of for for you know us American beer drinkers. Like it's such a weird kind of concept to think about how influential Germany has been. Still, ever even with all this craft beer stuff that's happening here, it's still like those those ties still come over here very you know very strong. But it's so, like, relatively speaking, it's so small. <laughs> well, you know, craft beer in Germany, I, 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 I learned something else uh, this week, is under 1% of all beer sold. That's crazy. And uh, wheat beer is about 20%. And then uh, uh, Pilsners over there are by far the, the largest category of 50%. So they have a really big upside the difference being is again that german brewers brew really brew really good beer so right. for them to get people onto the craft beer scene uh is going to be a lot more with uh, really cool experimentation and and trial uh of, of beers much like yeah. we did in america in, in that so uh it, it'll be interesting to see how their craft beer movement really cultivates and, 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 and progresses. It's it's odd because you know you talk about over there pilsners being fifty percent. There's definitely a lot of quote unquote pilsners here, but it's such a different thing. Like you know you can go over there and drink the biggest pilsner, and it's it's a pretty damn good beer. And yep. Over here, it's not really that same story. So people needed craft beer here. I don't know that they had to have it there. You know, like they were making some damn good beer before so it's like it's it's a whole different kind of approach to why you would have a craft brewery in germany and it's it's neat to kind of start to think about that and to see it and it's oh yeah um, and, and i don't know if they mentioned much about their uh uh their their, their brew pub over there uh, we talked about it just a little bit the, i mean it is just unbelievable so we're really excited to brew there and and, and and they've you know, got a museum there that I keep reading about that is supposedly phenomenal with, with different memorabilia and beer glassware and kind of stuff. That well, the Meisel Brewery has the largest beer museum in the world. It's crazy. I mean, and it, and it's, uh, <laughs> it, it actually was their original brewery that they put it in. But what, you know, they have an unbelievable history in Bayreuth. It's, it's the home of Wagner. Right. Uh, and it's uh, just like seven kilometers outside of downtown Byright is the home of Mr. Christian Moorline, you know, the namesake of our brewery. And uh, he comes from that area. And it's interesting because there's actually more lines that work at the at the Meisel <laughs> Brewery. And, and, and uh, you know, you just, there's that sense of legacy. Um, and then to see that, you know, we're, we're one of the... Uh, uh, original craft brewers in America. They're one of the original craft brewers in Germany. Uh, to see that, you know, Christian Moorline came from that area. Uh, the Meisel uh, family, uh, actually Jeff Meisel's father, uh, Oscar Meisel, is uh, married to uh, uh, an, an American uh, lady, and they and they uh, uh, live down uh, in, in in the United States here once in a while uh, for for part of the year so it the connection uh to to our german american history and heritage is really a huge thing with meisel and and, and uh um i met uh jeff meisel through a colleague of mine at uh, varsteiner and, uh, and 
we, 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 we were talking about what I was doing now and what he was doing now. And when we were talking about it, uh, I said, uh, geez, I, 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 I bought this company called Burry called Christian Moorline. And it's really interesting because uh, uh, with having Christian Moorline, uh, you know, he said, he said, well, what area is uh, that Christian Moorline from in Germany? And I told him Trupac, and he couldn't believe it. It was the next town over from Bayreuth, <laughs> from where the brewery was. So it was really interesting to hear that well, and, and everything. Uh, kind of tying things together just a little bit, there is a fantastic book about Christian Moorline that kind of has a little bit of that story kind of in it at the beginning, the, the forward that you wrote, you know, about, you know, you driving through Germany and, and getting there and, and, and finding the house and... Well, I gave a little Autobahn story of a buddy's car that I actually borrowed. And, uh, it, it, he has a known for, to have a lead foot. And uh, that day, I had a lead foot a little bit myself, which was kind of fun. I enjoyed it. And as a matter of fact, tonight, uh, we actually have the author of the book, uh, Don Heinrich Tolsmann, uh, who uh, uh, he's launching tonight the John Hauk book on Cincinnati, one of the beer barons of Cincinnati. And, and uh, I actually convinced him to write the uh, book on... Uh, on uh, Christian Moorline. I called him from Germany and actually said, you know, this is the quintessential German-American story. You know, like, you know, you know, this is where, you know, Christian Moorline was not the oldest in the family, so he wasn't going to inherit the farm. And he sought permission to immigrate to America and, you know, he built a very Pennies large... Pennies in his pocket, he, too. Yeah, he built a very large brewery in Cincinnati, Ohio. And... You know, because of his modesty, he, he he has virtually no recognition whatsoever that at one time it was the fourth fourth largest brewery in the United States. Right. And in Cincinnati, it means a really a big thing when you say Christian Moorline. And and uh, when we go over to uh, Germany to brew, we hope to you know tell that story of you know their one of their sons that went to America and he came to Cincinnati and tell his story, which is really great. And to see that, you know, now we are uh, a great American craft brewery uh, and, 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 and we're hooking up with Meisel and Friends, a great German craft brewery. Uh, it, it really puts it into perspective, the, the two collaboration beers and what it really means. Well, I, the story that I love about the Christian Moorline of today is this this balance between the heritage of what was, you know, you, you sit in a tap room like this and you, that, that history just is smacks you in the face, but then balancing that with what this, whatever this craft beer thing that is happening is and, and finding that, that, that place to kind of let those two coexist almost. And it's, it's, that, that's, that's Meisel, that's Meisel and friends. That's, that's, that, that, that coexisting of, the history with where beer is now you know like it's it's it, i love it it gets me really excited it makes me makes me really proud to live in cincinnati and you know it, there was definitely a time in all of our lives where you weren't as proud to live in cincinnati as we are today and so it's 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 fun to have this thing that we can latch on to and be like you know what we we're a beer city and we're we're, we're we're damn good at it now, and we were damn good at it then. So, well, as you know, there's uh, in America, there's uh, on the verge of six thousand breweries if we're if we're not already there. Uh, and uh, you know, having a craft brewery on every corner, on every block, in every city in America is very commonplace. What's not commonplace is that you have a brand like Christian Moorline that has right. unbelievable heritage and legacy. And, 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 and again, to hook up with uh, uh, our friends in Germany at the Meisel Brewery from uh, literally the hometown of Mr. Christian Moorline, it doesn't get any better than that. No, not, not a lot of people have that heritage and history to go along with it. It's absolutely true. Well, Greg Hartman, thank you very much. Well, thank you. Appreciate uh, it. It, it. Fantastic event. And um, everybody keep your eyes open for uh, Space Time as it starts rolling out. End of July. Um, I will definitely let everybody know very loudly when it comes out because I'm dying to try it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll be back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. We're back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. I am now joined by Don, the absolute uh, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of a good nickname for you here. You are like the beer baron historian now is kind of where you're kind of settling into um, this really great groove. You've got you've, you've quite a few books, but the two that um, I've, well, the one that I've read a whole bunch is Christian Morline, kind of the story of um, a man who was the quintessential American dream, you know, coming over from Germany and creating this, this empire that still is, is rolling today. Um, and then you also, tonight you're launching a similar book that tells the story of John Hawk. Um, and there's a whole lot of beer stories that you can tell in Cincinnati. And that, that the history is something that makes us kind of who we are. Um, uh, well, it's a very important part of Cincinnati history. The, the beer brewers were major parts of the economy here. And uh, the beer barons are such fascinating persons. So I, I became very interested in them and trying to explore how did they go about doing what they did and how did they attain success at what they did. And so what I write about is not just a business history or a history of the brewery. I try to find out what made, the, what made these beer barons tick. What, what, what separates people like them from everybody else because there is something different and that's you know kind of what makes craft beer so exciting too is that there's something different about craft beer than there is from the buds and the miller and the cores and that kind of stuff around there's something about this community too that makes it different and, and these well, guys were on to it well, well they, before craft beer even was a they were very creative in the kind of recipes that they brought here with them and uh, they, they were so well-trained in the old country or here. They had studied their craft that they were at. They just weren't amateurs who were brewing beer in their basement and decided to start a brewery. They actually had been apprenticed to uh, beer brewers here or in the old country. But then they took it a little step further and were creative in the kind of beer that they brewed here. And uh, they're just fascinating persons and individuals and uh, true success stories and uh, I think you can learn a lot about them and the beer brewing industry uh, and how important it was historically here you know of course at the time when you know before prohibition about 5,000 people were employed in that industry and then in related industry about 10,000 so it was a very major part of the Cincinnati area and when you look at all of these beer barons like Christian Morline and John Hauk, you'll see how much they gave back to the community. In the case of Hauk, he's the topic of my most recent book. Uh, he not only brewed an outstanding beer, it was called a premium beer in the area, but he, um, he also uh, saved the Cincinnati Zoo in the 1880s when, when it almost went bankrupt. And he saved it. He came in and he paid off the debt. At that time, it was 125000 which today would probably be easily well over a million dollars that he paid off the debt. And th this is, I mean, I'm, this is no joke. Without him, there would be no Cincinnati Zoo today, which we was the prime... Uh, tourist attractions to the city of Cincinnati. I've heard that it's one of the. No we were at the zoo this this last week. We we I have, I have a little baby at home, so it was our first trip to the zoo, and we were walking around and you know just enjoying the day. And I turned to my wife and I'm like, honey, do you know that because of beer, this place exists? She's, you know, she rolls her eyes. All right, you know, <laughs> and, you know, tell me the story. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and it, yeah. it, there's there's. But there are so many stories, I mean, not to that scale, but there are so many stories like that around town that um, people just, you know, well, even just, just walking the streets of, of OTR, you know, under your feet, you know, the, the tunnels that are there, just this history is just oozing out of the city and just... Well, it's so incredible. And another thing, well, for example, with Hauk, was that he owned the Cincinnati Reds uh, in the 1880s. Now, everybody... I know this. They take it for granted when they go to a Reds baseball game, they can go and enjoy a nice beer. They don't realize Hauk was responsible for getting beer served at our baseball games. Beer was served at baseball games. He got it firmly entrenched there. He owned it in the, in the 1880s. Then his son, 
uh, Lewis became the uh, secretary and the treasurer of the Reds. So, you know, everybody takes that for granted now. It's beer and baseball just go together now. <laughs> yes, beer and baseball. And another thing, all of these beer barons, of course, they amassed great wealth. Well, they were all involved in some way with the banking industry also. We always think about uh, the, the beer barons being involved with beer, but they were also involved with banking. Now, Hauk, for example, he was president of the German National Bank. Well, they changed his name during the First World War to the Lincoln National Bank, and they had different permutations, but it's now the Fifth Third Bank of Cincinnati. This goes back to Hauk. Right. This goes back to how banking, uh, baseball, the Cincinnati Zoo are visible signs. Christian Morline also, he gave to his church, uh, McMick and Philippus uh, Church, he gave to that. All these beer barons gave to the churches. Uh, George Wiedemann over in um, Newport, he contributed to baseball over there. He built parks. He supported the church. So... Uh, they had an incredible influence on our area, not just in beer, which is very important, but in so many different other areas. And I think you can learn a lot from them. I, I've told people, if you study their lives, they are success stories, and you can learn, how did they go about doing this? What was it? What kind of personality did they have? How did they treat their workers? How did they treat uh, people in general? Um, they knew how to do things, and they knew how to do it well. Also, in terms of public uh, publicity and so on, they knew how to advertise the beer labels, the beer signs. They, were, they, they, they employed artists to design and advertise things. They were uh, flashy and flamboyant, and <laughs> I think they knew they were actors on a stage. They know, hey, we're playing the part of a beer baron, and they played it fully. They were great people. And when you look nationally, there were many other models, too, like this. Um, if you look at Anheuser Busch, Adolphus Busch was probably the, the foremost beer baron nationally. But Schlitz, Pabst, Miller, Coors, Stroh's, these were all colorful beer barons. So... Um, you see the influence today now we see in our greater Cincinnati area. We have the, the craft beer industry coming back. We have, thankfully, we have the Christian Moorline Brewing Company. And we have our own good friend, Greg Hardman, who really uh, fits the bill as a modern-day beer baron. He really does. You know, colorful, flashy people who know how to sell their product and know how to present themselves to the public. And... A lot of these people, too, like Hauk and Moorline, going back to the beer barons, none of these people came here w with a lot of money or wealth. They, they only came with the ambition to work hard. They believed in hard work, thrift, and persistence. And they studied uh, the craft of uh, brewing. And they rode the ladders to success. And they, they, they treated people right. And, that, and that's, that's, that's what I've always like. I think that anybody who's opening a brewery should be required to read these books and learn about these people and to learn what made this city what it is. You know, Cincinnati would not be what it is today it, 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 without beer. And we wouldn't have had the beer if it was not people like this that were doing it the, the right way. Well, I think and you're really right on, on the fact that they knew how to treat people. There were another kind of beer, beer baron at the time. They were called the oil beer barons like... John D. Rockefeller, the Carnegie, who had a lot of really rough experiences in the uh, with the unions and with uh, labor, and were really tough. You didn't see that with the beer barons in Cincinnati. They got along well with the uh, people who worked at the breweries. They were like a family. I mean, it, it really was like a family atmosphere. Uh, they toasted together uh, on when they had uh, birthdays and so on. Um, Moreline gave uh, also special bonuses to his workers, at, which was really an incredible thing to do when, when he was running in the 19th century. 
So they knew how to treat their working um, force uh, who worked in the brewery. Uh, Moraline, too, he had 500 people working at his brewery. I mean, this, this is a big labor force that they had. Uh, and it paid off. They had really like a family-like atmosphere in these breweries. Well, one, of the, one of the stories that I've always heard that I love to think about is that you had these people that were working in this brewery, you know, six days a week. And hard work. It, it's not like working now. It's, it, it, was, it was really tough work. And then come Sunday on their day off, family would go and they would go to the beer garden and they would hang out at the brewery and celebrate and sing and drink and eat. And, and it was... You don't do that if you don't like where you work. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's very true. And some of the brewers, like Kaufman also would uh, own apartment buildings right. where they would uh, build an apartment building and they would provide rooms for their workers at a discounted rate. Other people could live there, but it would be discounted. So on Vine Street, right across from the Kaufman Brewery, uh, now belonging to the current Christian Moorline Company, there was a building for the Kaufman workers. Now, some of the people, um, you know, would live there and actually with their families and it would be a lower rental fee so you, you see that a lot and also Moreline had something like that over on Elm Street uh, north of uh, Music Hall so another interesting thing too is that all the brewers had what was called a, a Tide House Saloon the beer barons at that time would each own their own saloon and serve only their own beer, <laughs> which ma makes a lot of sense, actually. But uh, Moreline had all of his saloons. Hauk had his uh, saloons. Uh, one of the, the better-known ones of Hauk was today the, the Washington Platform on Elm Street, just south of, uh, of Central Parkway. But they all had that, and they would ploy their people from their brewery would be working there. So it's kind of a very tightly knit fabric of uh, business and industry and family. And another thing which I try to bring out in my books which is probably never thought of and mentioned is that all of these beer barons belong to churches and over the Rhine and they supported them. They gave heavily to them. They uh, uh, donated to them. Um, Moreline belonged to, to St. John's on Elm Street by Washington Park. How uh, he belonged also to that church, and uh, so the, the, there was a lot of giving to these different churches, it's uh, which is part of their philanthropy. It's, 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 I think it was part of their their philosophy too. In other words, if you contrast them to the oil beer barons, like who are stingy and rough with their labor force. It's a totally different mindset at all. Well, it, it, I think it, you know, we've always heard that saying of, you know, if you don't study history, it's bound to repeat itself kind of thing. And it, it's bound to repeat itself if you study it, you know, like you can kind of flip it and like just, just look at what they did right and what other people were doing wrong and why things worked. And, you know, these breweries did not fail the way you think of a brewery failing today. They were destroyed by prohibition they were destroyed by a changing beer market like there's there's, I mean, there's lots of factors there but they were on to something and if the breweries of today and these breweries that you see springing up all over cincinnati if they study what they were doing they were doing something right and i think you mentioned the the, the beer gardens and on sunday there were a family kind of place right. that you could go to spend the afternoon and the German tradition, too, is not get grabbing a beer and gulping it down. You could get a, a stein of beer and slowly nurse that, right. get some pretzels and a brat, sit there and enjoy, listen to the music, and really have, you're really... Not, you're not trying to get somewhere. You're already yeah. there. <laughs> and when you think about it, economic, it didn't cost a lot of money for people who are working hard. They could sit there and enjoy the afternoon and, and really have a great time. And, and, and also you mentioned prohibition and the really the big breakage that caused losing all these wonderful beer gardens that brought people together 
and family, everybody, you know, kids were there. Uh, you could just have a wonderful afternoon. And, and we, uh, we lost that. And I'm glad that we see now the, the breweries coming back. And hopefully we'll get more of the beer gardens back. And because of the prohibition, there was that big break also with history. And we're really still rediscovering a lot of things. I'm, I'm trying to rediscover the beer barons and their history. I know we're rediscovering a lot of their lager beer cellars. A lot of those people, that, I'm, I'm sure there are still more that we don't know about that I'm are sure. beneath us and over the Rhine. They were covered up and bricked up. And I think that's kind of symbolic. A lot of our history was bricked up and lost. And we're rediscovering it and getting it back. And I think it'll really, uh, you know, in the past, the, the brewing industry was an economic, uh, really, startup and for the area. And I think it can only benefit the economy of our area. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you very much and what you've done for those of us who we know our craft beer. We, we, I, I, I know the breweries are in the city from, you know, like the back of my hand. I, I, I know them, but there's this whole other side to Cincinnati, and it shines a light on how people are doing things. And you start to see the people that are doing things very right and the people that maybe making wrong decisions and it, it, it enlightens everything and it, 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 it makes more sense. So I, I appreciate you're doing the Lord's work with these books. <laughs> well, I appreciate all you're doing in writing about this and broadcasting about our brewing heritage. I, I think it's really great that, to bring that, that to the public so they, they know more about this and there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. Of course, with everybody, or most people, I should say, <laughs> enjoys having a glass of beer and enjoying it. But Wait, there's people that don't? <laughs> <laughs> but if you look the boat below the surface, there's a lot of history behind this and a lot of stories. And it's just fascinating. There's a lot there that we can learn about and which can help inform us and enrich uh, our area. And become better. It's, yes. We want the city just to keep coming better. Well, thank you very much. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. We're going to kind of wrap the show up because I think the band is about to get really loud again. So, um, Don Tolzman, everybody, get out. Get the book. I'm sure you can grab it on Amazon. I think there's still bookstores around, and I've seen the book in those few bookstores that are still around. So, get out there, get the book, get both of the books there. Or if you're into German-American history, you've got a whole bunch of other stuff that you've done that I think uh, there's a lot of people that, if they don't already know about, they would uh, get a lot out of it. So thank you very much, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We are Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Uh, follow us on social media, share things, rate things on iTunes. Somehow that helps us, I don't know. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Cincy Brewcast.